we weren't talking about anything before we started. We just kind of dove right in and I'm not used to that. I don't know how to start this with an actual, not a cold open that is unplanned with Allison bursting. And I have expected her to burst in, but she's not going to burst in because she's dealing with, um, as I just called it, the wrath of Zeus, uh, big thunderstorms in Baltimore as we record tonight on August 10th. My dog, Yuppie, is barking. Addie Barrett is here. Crystal O'Keefe is here. Allison is not. I'm Jesse Spector. This is Will It's Pod. Uh, <laughs> Yay! I actually had planned to, to have um, a music drop for tonight, but... Um, for various reasons, um, namely I couldn't find the um, music to do it. Um, I will save that for another time. So uh, here we are, but we do have music to talk about because this afternoon, um, as we record Wednesday, uh, the Mets played the Reds in the afternoon and it was Women in Baseball Day. So all the Mets uh, came up with unique at-bat music that also got us to find out that Keith Hernandez likes the vocal stylings of one Shania Twain. Oh my God. I like, this is feminism at its finest. I'm like, not even joking either. I think this is like so fucking funny and like so sweet of them. And I, um, was so entertained. I, as a Shania lover myself, I felt really represented <laughs> by the women in baseball representation today. <gasps> yeah. That's true. That was, that was a whole. I was surprised by the lack of Taylor Swift. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Marquette with, um, Alanis Morissette was pretty badass, though, I have to say. What what happened? I missed something. I heard the announcers, you know, I heard Gary Heath talking about, um, I think it was Gary saying something that you might not want to hear at the ballpark. Did they leave the song on a little bit too long there? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. That's right. That's right, Dave Coulier. Mark Hanna, of course, with the most sex positive. Well, not, uh, no, I should. Well, Luis Giorme, who, you know, come out with Juice. Yeah. Um, obviously, Jeff McNeil coming out to This Is What Dreams Are Made Of from the Hilary Duff movie. Um, or excuse me, the Lizzie McGuire movie, wherein yes. Lizzie McGuire is played by Hilary Duff. Of course. I mean, I could not love that more. I it was was Lizzie McGuire something that you guys watched at all? No. This is literally so. I I suspected this. This is the <laughs> reverse of what normally happens, where you guys are talking about like Back to the Future, and I'm like, what is that? Lizzie McGuire movie is my Back to the Future, and I love that Jeff McNeil feels the same way. Yes. And that's something that that's interesting because Daniel Vogelback was not listed in like I, the Mets put out in their game notes, like who would come out to what song Daniel Vogelback conspicuous in his absence. Yeah. And then comes up to milkshake and uh, we get another really tremendous Keith Hernandez moment of him having no idea what that's about. Yes. <laughs> 
Um, speaking of boys coming and refusing to go to yards, Keith, two nights ago, said he has purposefully asked to not go to broadcast the Philly series. He wanted it off because the fundamentals are, quote unquote, not there with that organization, which really made me laugh. He was like, I can't watch it. And then, like, Phillies fans got mad at this as if they haven't had the exact same complaint for years that the Phillies are unwatchable. Right. (laughs) I um, am sad that we won't see Noah Syndergaard in the Phillies series, but... um, Ducking the Mets again. I know. I'm hoping it'll line up the next time because... I don't know, something, and you guys know I say this as a deep lover of Noah Syndergaard, something about Noah Syndergaard as a Philly at this point feels like kind of spiritually right to me. Uh, yeah, I can see that because there's, there's something, and I know that the, I know it's one of those things like begs the question that prodigal son doesn't really mean wandering and all that, but like it feels like he's he's in like, Noah's off in the forest. He's on his yeah. rumspringa of his baseball career this year. Yeah. Like he well, gets the I, angels and then gets traded. Yeah. And I also feel like when he like, it's like such a small thing, but it really does inform my feeling in this way. When he like tweeted some snarky shit about how the Mets no hitter wasn't a real no hitter. Like, Okay, buddy. Go have fun with Zach Wheeler in Philly. Nine and a half games back, babe. He's got the whole, you know, the old fanatic uh, stuff to deal with. It's funny. It's like a, he already has Zach a brand. Zach staff orbit. It was so funny um, that the Phillies, like, promoted one of the Cindergard telling Rick staff. That his like wife wasn't gonna come back to him, and it's like, like it's we were laughing in the Discord because apparently Phillies fans were like, "Wow, he told this random guy to fuck off," (laughs) and we're like, "Come on, guys, it's a years long bit. Catch up." A years long bit based on that particular joke too. Mm -hmm. (sighs) What if? I mean, maybe Noah does really represent Rich's wandering wife. That's uh. They will be reunited someday. I feel like it's also worth just briefly backing up um, as we move once again toward the Braves, as our uh, listeners listen to this, to reflect on the Braves series at City Field. That yes. was electric stuff. Yes. it. Um, the way that that series wound up going down made me release the pot at the parks out of order we released uh the one with maggie wigan first because it was it it felt like things turned around so quickly and like we we were joking in that game like yeah like, you know the mets are down eight nothing but by the time you hear this they'll have won at nine to eight and won the rest of the games in the series and like all right well they they didn't win that game nine eight they came back scored five um but then win the next three. And I, I went to the Saturday night game. Um, Ryan Kelly, who's written a couple things for us at Will's Pen, was up from Philly, um, South Jersey, to come uh, come cheer on the Mets with his family. And great to see him. And great to see uh, 
that game, yeah, see a suicide squeeze in person. That was awesome. Like, I don't remember the last time I saw that happen. So, uh, the, the vibe was just like, and Addy, I said it to you in, in a chat that we had, like, it's like just a total shift in what, in, in the Mets whole existence. Like it was one of those, it, it not even like 2015, like there's, you know, I've, I've said before that the 86 Mets championship video is kind of my Rosetta zone of Mets fandom. Um, but there's a clip in there of, of Keith Hernandez talking about a four game sweep that they had of the Cardinals early in the season and basically how they just took the wind out of the Cardinals sails and the way that Atlanta left Queens. I know that there's still games left between them. I know that the wild card makes it different. But the way that they walked out of here with their tails between their legs, crying about how the Mets were lucky and getting all the calls and all 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 the classic loser talk um, after getting beaten in every conceivable way by the Mets all weekend long. Um, it it felt like that. It felt like no, this was this was the Mets saying no, this is real and there's a lot less cocaine now than there was in the eighties. So I think that there's a decent chance of some sustainability here, but I don't really care about that so much as the next two months. <laughs> I did feel like, um, really pissed off at first about fucking Spencer Strider being like, you know, they all the calls are going their way. It's like really, you know, they they got lucky. Like, blah blah. blah. And it's like, dude, like you didn't get out of the third inning. Yeah. Like, I, like shut the fuck up. Like, I don't like I. You don't. You literally don't have any room to talk. That's like you don't get lucky to like not make it out of the third inning. Yeah. You threw as many pitches to the first batter of your game as Jacob Degrom did in the first inning. I mean, that DeGrom start was, it was like so unbelievably, uh, I mean, I like don't even have the words for it. That home run was like painful, obviously made much less painful when they actually score for him. Amazing. Like Jacob DeGrom is allowed to be immortal at times, but he looked literally immortal from every moment up until that one. And it was, it's like, I I remember how good Jacob deGrom was and Mm -hmm. I believe Jacob deGrom can be that good. But I think there was some part of me that like, wasn't fully ready to be like, yeah, like he's Jacob fucking deGrom. Like he's maybe the best to ever do it. And it's really fun to see like, Oh no, like it's, not like some subversion of Jacob deGrom is back. Like it's a Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer pitch on back-to-back nights for the Mets and they're good. Yeah. And you know, this stuff comes out like where, you know, Fangraphs now has the Mets as the favorites to win the world series. And it's like, how is that possible? They're still yeah. the Mets, but yeah. Um, there's a, they have the same record as the Yankees. Oh no, they have a, no, they have a, a better as we are record speaking, than the Yankees. Better record than speak. the Yankees, who yep. could not score their way out of a paper bag in Seattle. That was 
bizarre. The Mets didn't exactly handle the Mariners this year either, and the Mariners are good. I mean, that was so, the first series that we lost. Yeah. Um, remember when the Mets didn't sweep series, and you know, now they just brushed off the Reds like it was nothing. Um, and they have a lot of garbage teams coming up on the schedule down the stretch. They're they're going to get a chance to fatten up here. Um, it's weird to go into the last 50 games of a season of the Mets and be kind of stress-free. Like, but the, the thing that I wanted to come back to is like, there's a reality and this is what teams had to confront in 2019 with the nationals. And it was, you're going to have to beat Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg uh, four times, or you're going to have to win four games in a series that they pitch four of the games. And Patrick Corbin was actually good then too. And the Nationals obviously win the World Series. Well, now it's uh, Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom. And Taiwan, <laughs> and Taiwan Walker. Walker. And Carlos Carrasco. Or Chris Bassett. Not, I don't know. Like, who, who do you, are not? Who do you make the fifth starter? I mean, who do you make the fourth starter? Like, who is um, best suited to go to the bullpen? So I do think it's DeGrom, Scherzer, Walker. Uh, it it might depend on who the opponent is. Yeah, I mean, why not run a six-person pitching rotation for a minute? Like, I, I think you, I think you certainly go to it in September. Yeah, to to get those guys, you know, tuned up the way that they need to, especially because you're gonna be operating with maybe short rest in the playoffs. In some cases, here's an interesting question. A couple, I would say, like, I don't know, a month and a half ago when I was on vacation with my family, I was listening to the radio call, which is why I remember. Um, and Howie Rose was talking about the fact that under the new playoff rules, the team with the best record has a long rest before playing their first series of the playoffs. Yeah. And he was questioning whether that could be counterintuitively bad because like, and, and the thing he pointed to was in 2015, the Mets sweep in the NLCS and have this long rest before the world series. And then they kind of get trounced on by the Royals. Do you guys think there's any validity to that idea or like, What's our? We are so far ahead of ourselves. What's our feeling on the rest <laughs> in the playoffs, folks? If we have the best record, is that bad for us? I mean, there. It's if the Mets win the division, it's gonna be them and the Dodgers with the two best records. So they will be in that buy situation. Personally, I I think there is some validity to it. There is some validity to the concern. But it's a big difference of that rest in the middle of a playoff run. Like you're on that super high of sweeping the NLCS. And then it happened to the 07 Rockies too. You have to sit there for a week and a half while somebody else plays out the ALCS. And then, you know, they're still, you know, riding that wave and you've been sitting for a week. I think that when it's at the end of the regular season and you get that, you know, that break before the playoffs, I don't think that's going to have nearly the same kind of effect especially when you've you know, been building up to the playoffs for a month and putting yourself in position to point to October X as the date of your first game. The 05 White Sox managed it. 
How'd they do that? Cocaine. Let's see. Who was on that team? Yeah, okay. I believe that. <laughs> Sounds reasonable. That's why he pitched in, you know, an hour and a half. Just super coked up all the time. Fooled you by like presenting himself as this clean cut dude who would like never do anything wrong, like didn't even jaywalk, like well, none of them are on cocaine. Unless they want to be, in which case, um I don't no. think that Tyler McGill is on cocaine. I don't Yeah, he's a good boy. Is he alive? What's up with him? Is he gonna like come back to this team this year? I think he's rehabbing. I think. I think they said that on an injury report. At Remember some when we were all like, what if Tyler McGill is better than Jacob Jamal? <laughs> what would constitute better than Jacob DeGrom? Dude, hmm. I, I, there is this thing I, like about watching him pitch that I kind of forgot just like the feeling where every like single pitch is exciting and the way that he gets those like swing and miss strikeouts at a at, like especially in this last start like at a level that it just felt like it was just every time is absolutely insane to watch like there is something about him that is different than watching any other pitcher i've ever watched including max scherzer like that's a whole other bizarre experience. Yeah. Watching Jacob deGrom has this like transcendent, otherworldly, un like surreal feeling to me. And I don't know how to explain it. Do you guys feel that? Yes. <laughs> absolutely. Um the the closest that I can think of of what it's like with deGrom right now is Pedro at his peak with the Red Sox um, and a, a game I'll never forget. Cause it was the tickets that I got for my birthday was a, was the Clemens versus Pedro game. That was um, just, it, just Pedro you know, dominated, it was, you know, the game of maybe the game of his career. Um, no, no, it wasn't the game. The game of Pedro's career was the, the perfect game that, uh, he then, yeah, took the, the Expos didn't score. Anyway, um, but Pedro is different because he's Pedro. And it's, you're talking about, I lost my train of thought, but it's like when you reach that like level of genius and artistry, like mm. you are going to be unique. Like, you know, Da Vinci is different than Picasso. Um, but, and, and you're just at that level of mastery and to see DeGrom do it and the way that he keeps finding ways to get better and exceed what you even think is like he, he has stretched the limits of what you think is achievable even by him. And that's, that's amazing because he was awesome what feels like a generation of met ago because Mm. it was Mm. like 
Matt Harvey and Noah Syndergaard are got memories. They are like Noah Syndergaard yeah. is twi- is a is Philly. in the wind. A Philly, <laughs> yes. Matt Harvey is. I mean, okay. Hope he's not in jail. Um. Yeah. But Degrom like was amazing then, and is somehow not only like you know rose above everybody more heralded, but like continues to rise above himself. I mean, yes, yes. It's I talk about this all the time with my partner because it's like Jacob Degrom is somehow doing the thing that no one thinks is possible, which is like. As a professional athlete, the older he gets, the more elite he becomes. He is getting faster every year. He is getting like stronger every year. But the other thing about him is, and Roger really hit on this so well in the newsletter, the day that he wrote, the day of DeGrom's first start. Jacob DeGrom is just this brandless, like very sort of undefinable, almost regular seeming superhuman being with just like some kids and like nothing weird on his Twitter and like drafted like kind of, you know, a little late and like, and here he is, like he is like it all adds to the fact that you just watch this guy who's not trying to like be anything or like be like seen and branded in some type of way. Like he just like wants to, I don't know what he wants, but he pitches the most beautiful baseball game I've ever seen in my entire life. And I remember interviewing him early, in a, you know, his first all-star game. And it just seemed like, he just wanted to keep getting better and see how good he could get at this game. And boy, has he, mm. um, cause he was, you know, at that point he's like gone in two years from double a to being an all-star. And he's like, yeah, I've, you know, he, he seemed like, yeah, I've kind of figured out a way that I can get better. And I'm just going to try to keep getting better. And, and, Darn it, he he sure has. Um, By the way, he was a shortstop until he was a junior in college. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, just at Stetson, like not a baseball powerhouse. No no disrespect to the Hatters. Um, It is, you know, it is Florida collegiate baseball, which is always going to be strong. Uh, But... Chris's computer is making a weird noise. I guess. Okay. All right. We're going to see how this goes. We will drop and return. I think Jesse and I can probably just, we'll keep talking about DeGrom. Gushing about DeGrom. Yeah. How awesome he is. And we see that Crystal is talking, that she's going to restart her computer. She'll be back. And, and we will welcome her back to wrap up the show. Thank you.
We lost Crystal, then we had our own technical difficulties, but it's Jesse and Addy, and Crystal will be back to wrap things up with us. Um, we're just going to continue to talk. We're just going to keep talking about Jacob deGrom. Yeah. yeah. Here's the other thing about Jacob deGrom, is <laughs> literally watch, like, the man throws, there was in the first inning, when I saw him at Nats Park, he threw a pitch 102 miles an hour on the gun. He did that Sunday, too. Like, and the way that he looks when he does that, it is as if he's like flicking a feather off the end of his wrist. He is so long and like smooth in his, in like the way that he actually pitches that he makes it look like nothing. And that's the other thing that feels crazy to me. It looks effortless to him. Yeah. And you know, I've, I've seen Max Scherzer start a lot over the years, obviously, but like watching every start of his has been a really different thing where you see like just how his, his whole arm just kind of comes with it. And it, his yeah. mechanics are different from DeGrom's in that way. Like it, but it's the same effect at the end. Yeah. Where it's just coming out of the, coming out of his hand with such ease and and you understand sort of, you know, it's funny because obviously Degrom has had plenty of injuries, and Scherzer spent a mm-hmm. lot of time this year hurt. But you can see where that would be like those that that it's repeatable that way without too much stress, and why, you know, why even though he's been hurt a lot like Jacob Durham is able to throw so many pitches at that high of a velocity. It's crazy. Um, and I don't know how anybody would ever hope to replicate that or anything like that, but that's why these guys are the special unicorns that they are. Well, wasn't it interesting to see him in Strider though, too, like who's also, you know, it's not like he's a slow guy. Like he's, it, and and it was just so interesting. Oh, he was the, throwing hundreds, like all yeah. day long. And it was so interesting the way that the Mets forced him to work, and that you could tell obviously he was working. And to Jacob Degrom, it, like he's sitting in the dugout for thirty minutes between these like six pitch innings, and it's just <laughs> nothing, you know. Like it's it's, and that alone felt like just such a tell of the way of like the kind of pitcher that Jacob deGrom is and what makes him like just so elite. And that's, that's also the difference with this Mets team is what they do to these opposing pitchers and yeah. SNY booth, you know, which you've written um, an opus about that uh, will be on the site. <laughs> I did write an opus about the free form jazz of SNY. Um, <laughs> So everybody should should look forward to reading that if you haven't already. I'm not sure what the posting order of these things is going to be as we speak, but um, I was going somewhere with that. <laughs> uh, oh, I, you know what I think you were going to say because I was reading oh, your mind. Oh, the, the booth yeah. bringing up the point about the, the way that the Mets have worn out starters in the yes. first inning. And the, yes. like, whatever it was, like 40 games this year that they've had a guy like throw 25 or more pitches in the first, like some crazy stat like that. And that they win like 75% of those games. And it makes sense. And they, I keep, 
Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, they also were talking about how Mets fans are cheering foul balls now. Like, yeah. everyone gets it. Like, wear them out. <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, we've talked about this before, about, you know, Buck didn't didn't get the chance to manage those Yankees teams past, you know, their first playoff appearance. But that was the approach that they were starting to have there. You know, start with guys like Wade Boggs coming in. You know, Mavi, Mattingly was obviously there, too. Um, but you had all these guys that were patient at bats. And the reason that all those Yankees-Red Sox games took four hours and still do to this day is they've built those lineups over time on that whole principle of the other team's weakness is going to be their middle relief, by and large. Get yeah. to that. And the best way to get to that is to where, you know, everyone's on a pitch count. So it, it's perfect baseball sense. And um, oh, it's just really always the middle relief, isn't it? What a metaphor for life. <laughs> and, and isn't that the Mets underbelly, too? That we're yeah, all isn't about? that the Mets underbelly? Yeah. Thank God Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer are here to pitch seven innings a night in the playoffs because you're. Yeah. No, like, man, I that mean, that was a big thing this weekend, too, was like, hey, Jolly Rodriguez coming up freaking huge. And the way that you know, the, the rest of the bullpen got through that, Trevor May coming back, you know, it's been shaky, but he's been looking like he can at least hang. Um Hey, and look. not not getting more help at the deadline is just going to be one of those things that you think about until <sighs> October. <laughs> I completely agree. And I think it's interesting because I, I was saying to my partner just last night that the farther we get away from the trade deadline, the more I appreciate the offensive acquisitions the Mets made at the trade deadline. Like, I was like, what the hell? Like, who is Daniel Vogelbach and Darren Roth? Like, They're Tyler perfect. Naquin? Right. And, I'm, and I'm like, these are my sons. Like, you know, so, but I completely agree. I, I think not getting a left-handed reliever might be one of those things that we sit on this podcast someday and are like... <clears throat> Billy? (laughs) But another, you know, sort of um, one one person whose contribution we didn't talk about from the weekend, David Peterson. Oh, I thought you were going to say Edwin Diaz. We have not talked about Edwin Diaz either. I mean, David Peterson. Well, you know, we'll close. Appropriately, we will close. Yeah, singing let's talk the praises of Ed, Edwin Diaz. Yeah, perfect. Man, David Peterson was good. He oh. was really good when I saw him. He was in Cincinnati last month. He was phenomenal, and I was yeah. like, I didn't even really know much about this guy. And my husband's like, Oh yeah, he's he's okay. And I was like, No, like that was really good. What we just watched. <laughs> Underappreciated, Matt. Hmm. Thank you, David Peterson. You are loved, you are seen, you are appreciated. And you will be an important person for this team in the playoffs, which I think has to be some of the motivation for him, like as he keeps yeah. having to go to Syracuse. Like Yeah. He yeah. knows. Yeah. Like Honestly, Buck probably told him. Yeah. And that, you know, Buck is I'm sure it was like, look, you are in our plans, but we need you to be throwing innings 
Um, Cause you know, he could come, he could come be an important lefty in the playoffs, but he also could be that guy that, um, you know, I'll go back to the 05 White Sox, um, El Duque that year and, and what he did, um, you know, being able to be that stretch swing guy. Um, that's so important. And you see that, you know, it, it comes up every year. Some years it's, uh, some years it's actually Max Scherzer. <laughs> Some years it's Clayton Kershaw. Um, but most teams don't necessarily have that guy. And, and you are better off, I think, generally, you know, having somebody that's a little bit more flexible in, in that role. Um, so we'll see. There was, uh, I did find the Mama McGill update. Uh, Tyler is throwing in a bullpen session Saturday, like this coming Saturday. And he hopes to return late August, early September. He was also informed that he will be stretched out as a starter in the winter. That is from Tyler's mom. She's really a great PR person. I feel like we literally learned so much from her. Shout out to Julie, my Twitter friend. (laughs) Thank you, Julie. Yay, Julie. No. (laughs) We this evening, our show is dedicated to David Peterson and Julie McGill. Anyway, (laughs) get your trumpet out. (laughs) I was literally walking out of my boyfriend's house yesterday doing that, and he was like, what? (laughs) That video gets me so hyped now. Oh, my God. I watched it probably nine times in a row, and I was like, I could do anything now because of this damn hype song. It's amazing. Okay. I I did have this flash, I must confess, in this safe space of being like, I loved the Narcos trumpet entrance before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, gatekeep. It's totally fine. <laughs> Look, we've been getting chills to that for like two years. Yeah. I mean, I will say, though, that video, again, just the like, absolute art that SNY mm-hmm. is doing every single night broadcasting live baseball. It was, it's beautiful. Like the, every cut, I, cause I am with you, Crystal. I've watched it like nine times. Yeah. Every cut I, to the fan I, is I amazing. About the sheer joy of that one man in the orange shirt with the side, the, the off kilter blue visor. Who's just like, Like, this guy has not had this much fun being a Mets fan in such a long time. And that moment is just so pure. The flag is so incredible. Although I have to say my favorite, I I don't know why I'm about to do a video recreation on the podcast where no one can see me, (laughs) is the guy that's just like... (laughs) The guy holding up his his camera and and pointing. And he's pointing, like, stoically. Yeah. Oh, it's electric. I mean, there it, it is... I saw a tweet the other day making the point that the way that Edwin Diaz has really come from a first year where people were like, we lost the trade. Like Edwin Diaz sucks. We hate him to become an absolutely elite closer in New York, beloved by the fans, like, and just unhittable. Like, the ninth inning is a treat. And that feeling is insanity. And 
it's such a, a weird thing too. to, I mean, for, for the Mets, first of all, to have a closer where it's like, yeah, this guy's lights out because previous closers of elite Mets teams have been John Franco, Armando Benitez and God, you know, much as I love Jesse Orozco, um, you know, he did give up that home run to Billy Hatcher in game six of the NLCS that led to that game going more innings. Um, and Let's not forget yeah. Jerry's. Let's try to forget. Let's Jerry's. forget Jerry's. Yeah. I just put uh, it out there <laughs> in the list of the other bad ones. Yeah. Um, they don't get like Billy Wagner was, was this guy. Um, you know, that level of like, it's over when he comes in, but like, again, it's, it's a, it, you reach this level and it, it becomes, you're of a different, like you're, you're unique self. And there's just, there's there, you lose the ability for comparisons. And that's, that's the territory where Edwin Diaz is right now, where it's just like, yeah, there's things that, you know, sure, Trevor Hoffman and Mariano Rivera also had entrances. And am I going to put <laughs> Edwin Diaz on that level of those guys all time? No. But, you know, for a year like this, like maybe Eric Gagne's year, you know, with, with the dog. I, I don't know. This guy strikes out half the batters he faces. Like, it's nuts. And he there will come a time when he blows a big game and he gives up a home run because, you know, a pitch is in the wrong spot and he runs into a good hitter, and that happens. But when is the last time that, you know, or, or the Mets or anybody else, um, how many closers are there where you're like, yeah, I don't think that giving up the big home run is going to get to this guy. And for Diaz, I think that that year of just absolutely sucking where every mistake he made was in the seats, he knows, like, can't get worse than that. Yep. And look, he can get a whole lot better. The very fact that we're like, guys, let's remember he could still allow contact at some point in a big moment. You know, like there was a time with Edwin Diaz himself that we were like, yeah, like he's going to give up a home run and the game's over. Like Jacob deGrom hit 1,000 today and, you know, didn't give up a single hit, but let's go. Yeah. And now here we are in August with the Mets leading the National League East by seven and a half as we speak. I don't know what Atlanta and Boston did. It doesn't matter because it's going to be different by the time this comes out. The Mets will be up by double digits because they'll swept the Phillies or it'll be tomorrow and they'll still be up by seven and a half or eight or seven or whatever the heck it is. It doesn't matter. Um, what else do we need to talk about today? We said we're doing that. He has a sigh and a gasp. Oh no! Uh-oh. Okay, this is this is a funny way to end the podcast. Don't worry, it's not bad. It's kind of bad though. Okay, so I just had the thought. Saturday is my birthday. I'm really excited. I have a reservation at a restaurant that I've been dying to go to, and I just thought, ooh, I think Jacob Degrom might be pitching on my birthday. 
Jacob Degrom is indeed at this moment lined up to pitch on my birthday, which has happened before. It's a real treat, but it puts me in the conundrum yet again of sitting at the beautiful, fancy restaurant being like, hey, babe, Jacob Degrom still hasn't given up a hit. <laughs> so that's my complaint for the week. And if I've got that going on, I'm blessed. That is that's not nice. bad. I I would say... Um... You know, if you're out for out for birthday with your partner, uh, just leave your phone and you know hook up the MLB.tv replay later if you can possibly. You're wow. not in New York. Should it I might be possible to avoid the spoiler, but also at the same <laughs> this time, is so Seinfeldian. <laughs> yeah, but you don't. You, you're taking the risk of. Oh, you know, we'll see. It's my birthday and all. Or just, you know, tuck the, you know, bring your phone. Look, yeah, yeah, I'll just like set table, it on the, I'll just like set it up against, you know. Against the edge, the edge of the table. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's real interesting. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, strike three. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, I just said this is delicious. Um. <laughs> <laughs> just get like one of those like small, like a dessert menu or like a beer list and just kind of like prop it up to hide your phone and just be like, yeah, mm. so I, was, I was looking at this cheesecake and then yeah, you know, I'm perusing the cocktails. Uh... Well, all I want for my birthday, even if I miss it, is a Jacob Jagrom perfect game. <laughs> okay. Is that too much to ask? No. I don't know if it is. <laughs> we'll talk about it on our next episode of Will It's Pod. <laughs> <laughs> we we did not uh we managed to get through this today without um offending any major corporations which means that unfortunately we are unsponsored today um and we will we will get allison back next week assuming that um she has not been uh smote by uh an angry deity of some kind which is always a possibility um, really always a possibility for any of us, depending on um, your particular definition of gods and theism and, you know, whether or not um, you believe that those gods or, you know, active or, or forces of the universe have sort of an active role or a passive role and whether uh, you being smote um, is uh, just a happenstance or an active uh, punishment for your wrongdoing if there is such a concept as right and wrong. What is anything? That is what we will investigate on our future episodes of Will It's Pen. Uh, Such vital questions of the universe that we did not get to today, such as um, is Mr. Met's entire body made of baseballs? Oh my god, I forgot about that one. Yeah, you were already blowing my mind for the record after you sent me that you know what I think we should just we, there's no way there is no way to get out of this already 40 minute podcast if I respond so I'm That's not going already. to Crystal. and we'll save that for next week I'm Jesse. it got very very horny in the group chat uh, about these mascots though so probably best that we and we'll save that for next week in this <laughs> that is a a whole other portal of the universe that we will be into next time on Will It's Pod. Thanks for listening. 
rate, review, subscribe, all of that. Why do I keep talking? Bye-bye.